This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. I'm going to read from the Bible. I'm reading from the book of Amos, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness, the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. You will each go straight out through breaches in the wall and you'll be cast out toward Harmon, declares the Lord. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leaven bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the Sovereign Lord. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not turned to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I set rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain and another had none and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel, and because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading today will come from Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You gave a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, we have uh, Kevin Chen from Campus Bible Study, uh, the Focus Ministry 
um, which brings the gospel to Mandarin-speaking students at UNSW with us here. He's our guest speaker, and so I'm going to invite him and Hana. Would you please give them a round of applause as they come up? Morning. 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 Um, can you tell us a bit about, Kevin, what's been going on this year on campus? Yeah, sure. And can I firstly say it's so great to be back at St. Mark's uh, to see many familiar faces and new faces as well. Um, thank you so much for your faithful prayer for the Mandarin ministry on campus as well as supporting the ministry uh, by partnering financially as well. Um, lots of it being happening uh, this year. Uh, hopefully you've caught a glimpse of that through the St. Mark's weekly catch-up. Um, but what's been really exciting is just, uh, seeing the uh, number of international students coming onto our campus really picking up, uh, not just last year, but really picking up this year as well. Um, so beginning of the year, we had the privilege of uh, welcoming about 20 uh, new Mandarin-speaking students into our midst uh, to share the gospel with them, uh, to uh, provide for them a meal. Uh, and even today, uh, there's more than a handful of them who are still regularly reading the Bible with us. Um, yeah, so very thankful for that. And of course, we, I know we've been very busy with Easter the last little while. And so we also had uh, special mission talks on campus uh, in lead up to Easter. And we had an Easter service on campus as well. Uh, and so great to see people bringing their friends to hear the gospel of our risen Lord. Yeah. Yeah, praise God for, for that. Um, do you have a story to share about what's going on? Yeah. Um, I would love to tell you uh, the story of a girl called Mina. Um, so she came, f uh, so her family back in China started as a, a religious family into a lot of the folk religion, ancestor worship. Uh, but then later, uh, the mother, uh, through uh, some friends, turned to Christ. Uh, but for her growing up in that kind of environment, she knew she hated all the ancestor worship ritual things. Um, but then knowing that mom is a Christian and even going to church with her, but she didn't really understand what Christianity is for herself. But coming uh, to uni here really gave her the opportunity to, to spend time investigating the gospel for herself. And she's really growing her understanding uh, of who Jesus is. And it is our prayer that she might come to trusting Jesus as a Lord and Savior one day, uh, hopefully not in the to distant future. Wow. Yeah. Praise God for his work in Mina's life. Um, yep. And we'd love to hear from you a bit about um, a bit about yourself and how did you first hear the gospel? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm also very glad to be here today. Uh, so my name is Han. I'm currently working in UNSW as a postdoc. Um, and I was born in China. I grew up from a background without any uh, Christianity or gospels. Um, uh, apparently, I, I, I can hear about uh, Jesus' name from different sources, but uh, at that time, I just thought, I just, I just never thought myself being someone who will be related to the Christians or Jesus Christ in any sense. Uh, but then I went to the U.S. to do my Ph.D., uh, and everything changed. Um, actually, ever since the first day I, I joined the, my Ph.D. program, I have a classmate who uh, constantly told me things about Jesus Christ and also constantly invited me to the church. Um, and uh, she also encouraged me to bring my questions to the church. So I did it, and uh, I think I got the answers I was looking for. Uh, and after that, I, uh, after some time, I committed myself to Jesus Christ and became a Christian. 
uh, and after my PhD graduation, I came to Australia for work, uh, and uh, I found the Focus Church. Uh, so that's basically my story. Wow, that's amazing! Amazing that God's worked in your life and bringing you to Christ. And um, can you share how Focus has helped you on your journey as a Christian? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the first thing that comes into my mind is the solid teaching offered by Focus Church. Um, as uh, I just uh, became a Christian in 2019, so as you can imagine, I'm still pretty young in spirit. So especially when I first arrived here, I just realized I still have a lot of misunderstandings about the foundations. Uh, so at Focus, we, uh, we got awesome pastors. We also have uh, a very good uh, training programs, training workshops, and also Bible study groups, which really helped me a lot with my uh, the growth of my spiritual life. Um, and I also want to thank one brother who uh, lives very far away from campus, but he volunteered to come to campus every week to help me go over these uh, fundamental gospel beliefs. Uh, yeah. And the second lesson I learned from Focus Church is that we're coming to the church not to, uh, not, not as bystanders. We're coming here to uh, talk with each other, support each other, and also serve together. So in, Fo in Focus Church, we have a lot of opportunities to serve the international scholars, international students, uh, and I really learned a lot from it. Uh, so with all this help and support from the Focus Church, I feel very blessed. Uh, to, to find this church and also feel very blessed to uh, grow with these people here. Yeah, wonderful. Um, Han, what's your hopes for the future? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, talking with the students and serving the students is always a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I also uh, realize that there are still so many international students, international scholars who have been in Australia for a long time but haven't got a chance to hear about the Gospels. So in the future, I would like to uh, work with, uh, together with uh, Fox Church, work together with Kevin to, uh, to, to, to serve the students and serve the scholars uh, and to spread the, uh, the words of the God. Uh, and I also hope uh, I will be equipped with more uh, knowledge, more experience, and also a true heart uh, to, to, to help more people. Wow, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm going to pray now, and then Kevin's going to uh, preach for us. So let me pray in, in light of that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the ministry of Focus and its work in bringing the gospel to students from a Mandarin-speaking background. UNSW. We thank you for what we've just heard about your work in Han's life and bringing him to faith and his hunger to learn from you in your word. And we pray that you would continue to grow him, help him to be a faithful worker and servant of you. Father, we pray as well for Mina. We thank you for her journey of discovery of questioning ancestor worship and instead turning to you, the true and living God. And we pray that you'd be at work in her life. We pray for all the staff of Focus Ministry, that you'd uh, refresh them, uh, equip them to continue to faithfully serve you. And as we now come to hear from you and your word, please give us ears to hear and open hearts that, they, that we may receive it and be nourished and strengthened in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
let me find the switch here. <laughs> Should be this one. It's a great privilege to be uh, sharing with my dear brothers and sisters here at St. Mark's uh, from God's Word. Thanks, Michael, for uh, praying for us. Uh, so we'll get uh, right into it, thinking about God's Word to us from Amos chapter 4 today. Well, we all like to be prepared, don't we? We all like to be prepared for the big moments in life. I wonder whether you can think back to the first day you turned up at your first job. You want to get your dress perfectly right or the first day of welcoming your your first child into your home and before that you know you want to be prepared right you want to prepare all the different furnitures get the color just right or even for some of us welcoming you, your first grandchild into your family um, and maybe you still want to uh, get the furniture right and get the color right i don't know whether it's a more asian grandparents thing uh, but we do want to be prepared in life. Uh, and our family had uh, one of these moments uh, just this week, getting prepared for the first day of the term. And that's always a pretty big job, trying to find where everything are. We want to be prepared in life, and that's probably one of the reasons we have all sorts of different insurances. Uh, health insurance, car insurance, life insurance, they give us a certain sense of security for those rainy days, for when sickness strikes. And of course, uh, for a number of us now, we are enjoying retirement. And so prepare, getting prepared, be ready uh, for when the time comes for retirement. We want to be prepared, but I wonder whether you have thought about being prepared to meet God. Meet God, our Creator. And that's what this part of the Bible is all about. It's urging its recipients to be prepared for that most important day in life. Well, the prophet Amos, he speaks these words to the people of God in a particular point in history. Um, so to understand what the prophet is saying here, what his messenger of God is saying, we need to have a bit of understanding of the historical background there. So a quick sweep through bit of uh, Israel's history. Now, after God saved the people of Israel out of Egypt through Moses, and afterwards uh, with the starting of the dynasty, starting from King David. Now, his son Solomon really took the nation of Israel to a new height, pretty much its golden age. But by the end of Solomon, the nation split into two. There were 10 tribes that belonged to the northern kingdom that re retained the name Israel, but also the southern kingdom is now called Judah with two of the tribes still having its capital in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, not only the capital of the nation, the political center, but it's also where their religious center is because that's where Solomon has built the temple. Now, if you were the king of the northern nation, now, every year at the national festivals, you see all your people, they all travel, travel, travel down to Jerusalem for to offer their sacrifices to the Lord, to worship the Lord there, if you're the king, how do you think you might feel? What if my people never come back from Jerusalem? 
came up with a great scheme. He wanted to set up alternatives to Jerusalem, alternative places of worship like Bethel and Gilgal that we read in Amos chapter 4, verse 4. Now, Bethel was where Jacob first met God, and Gilgal was where Israel, they worshipped God when they first crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. Um, and so, that was why these uh, two places, Gilgal and Bethel, are important uh, in the life of the northern nation. Now, let's fast track that. 200 years later, we get to Prophet Amos. Now, it's the time of around 750 B.C. It was a time of great prosperity for the people of Israel. They were kind of like one of the superpowers, the strong powers in that region, uh, that part of the world. And you know, the, the people of Israel, they felt secure in their prosperity, kind of like us in Sydney today. Um, so pretty wealthy part of the world. Um, they felt secure in their wealth, and they felt secure in their religion. But as we see from Amos chapter 4, it was a great time of apostasy. A great time when people actually turned away from the Lord their God. And if you know the history, within 30 years from this time of Amos' prophecy, the northern kingdom is actually destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. They were wiped off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. So in today's passage here, we have the prophet Amos warning the people of the northern kingdom Israel, warning them of their failure to meet God. Now firstly, their failure to meet God in their wealth. We see the people of Israel Instead of thanking God for their wealth, they have received and used their wealth for their own indulgences rather than helping the poor, the needy amongst them. They did not use God-given wealth for good, but used it to oppress the people. And that's why they were condemned in verse 1. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan among Samaria, you men who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and say to your husband, bring us some drink. Bashan was the place with rich pasture where cows were well fed. The people, they were rich indeed. But instead of sharing all that with others, they became arrogant. They were supposed to be the people of the holy God. Different from all the other nations, yet from their action, they don't look any different. Having received all this blessing from God, they did not use it to, to feast and indulge in their relationship with God. But instead, they indulge in their own greed, selfishness, and so the Lord declared a time when these people will be, as Amos says in, in verse 2, taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. One moment they were fat cows, next moment dead fish under God's judgment. A very bleak picture for how God will treat those who fail to meet him in how they use their wealth. Now, the people also failed to meet God in 
their religion. You know, it's a very strange verse in verse 4. It seems like, how come the Bible is inviting people to sin? Of course, the prophet here is speaking ironically. He says, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Remember, those were the two alternative places of worship that the king of the northern kingdom set up as alternative to Jerusalem. So, as the people continue to worship God in those two places, they may think, they may sincerely think that they are worshiping the Lord in those two places. But this was never how the Lord intended for his people to worship him. You know, we might often think of sin as breaking the rules or commandments, but the Hebrew word for sin actually carries this concept of rebellion. The Israelites may think they are worshiping the Lord Yahweh, but in fact, they're joining in this rebellion against God when they're worshiping in a way not as he decreed, not in Jerusalem. But we see the people have failed to meet God in Gilgal and Bethel. They committed sin. But it's not only the location that mattered because we see it was their heart. And Amos reveals the true state of their heart in these next few verses in verse 5. Burn leaven bread as a thank offering and brag about your free offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites. And this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. Now these people, when they go to Gilgal or Bethel, they're not really after God. They're after religion. They kind of like to wear religion as a badge on their shirt. They love doing what these verses say. But is religion what God looks for in his people? Obviously not. God does not look for superficial religion from people, but he looks for a deep desire, deep desire in our heart to know God, to trust in God, and to obey him joyfully. But instead we see the Israelites, they in their religion are rebelling against God. And so the people have failed to meet God in their religion. But this is not the first time God has warned Israel of their failure to meet him. Because again and again, God through various events in the life of Israel to warn them. Firstly, God sent in a famine in verse 6. The last couple of weeks, we saw how Israel enjoyed this covenant meal with the Lord. Enjoyed that peaceful relationship with the Lord, this relationship that the law has initiated. But here, no longer a feast with the law. Actually, no longer feast at all because there is no food. And then God sent them the drought in verses 7 to 8. God sent them blight, plant disease, and, and mildew, this fungal growth on plants. And if this doesn't kill them, God actually sent locusts to kill all the plantations. Verse 10, God sent them plagues, just as he had done back in Egypt. God even in verse 11 said, he overthrew some of them as he overthrew the city of old, Sodom and Gomorrah. Those two cities that were judged for their immorality. 
But the repeated line throughout this whole section, did you notice it? Yet you have not returned to me, verse 6. Yet you have not returned to me, verse 8. Yet you have not returned to me, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. Now you might wonder, how many warnings do they need to actually repent and return to God? Before entering the promised land, God warned them. There's blessings and curse before them as they obey or disobey God. And here we see, obviously through their disobedience, curses fell on them. God sent them warnings. These were God's merciful warnings that they might return to God. Those are warnings not to destroy them, but to warn them of the coming destruction if they do not return to the Lord. Since the Israelites did not return to God, so comes the great warning, verse 12. God says, you won't return to me now. I will come to you. You be prepared to meet your God. Verse 12, therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel, and because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. But the God they meet will not be the God of their own imagination, if, as if God can be domesticated, as if God is only a local God, as if he can be pleased by their superficial effort. But God is a God of Verse 13, as we see, He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns stone into darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. This is the awesome God, the awesome ruler of the universe that they will meet. Now we need to keep this picture of God in our head as well, dear brothers and sisters. Because often we can forget how majestic, how powerful, how grand our God is. Even as we come to Him daily in prayer, in reading His Word, even gathering here today, let us keep this picture of God in our mind. Now, the Israelites, they might feel secure in their wealth, in their religion. They have ignored all the warning signs, and so the nation of Israel was destroyed. Within the next 30 years, in the year 722 B.C. But dear friends, wealth, religion, are they really that secure? Are they really the security that we can get. The riches, they can vanish with another global financial crisis. All the insurances, well, we still face the sickness, even death in its due time. But by these prophetic words of Amos, they will meet God. If they will not return and meet him now, they will meet him later in judgment. But thinking about us today, us meeting God today, you know, things hasn't really changed that much, has it? 
us in a wealthy Sydney, we can also be deluded by the security that wealth offers. Um, they are not actually that secure after all. And even all the warnings God has given to our nation, just think of all the drought, flood, fire, in maybe the last 10 years or so. But us as a nation, you know, those things are meant to help us see we are not in control. There's something wrong with this world. But our nation hasn't really turned to God in prayer, have we? But this is not just a national thing. It's also personal for us. When sickness strikes, when we experience broken relationship, when we experience the brokenness of this world, do they remind us of the necessity to turn to God, to be humble before Him, to submit to Him? Of course, not saying that everything we experience is a direct punishment from God, as if we've done something wrong and so this happens. But because of sin, this world is broken. And all these brokenness that we experience are meant to again and again point us to the true and living God. But as we search inside our hearts, we think about are we prepared to meet God? I don't know whether anyone can honestly say, yes, I am prepared to meet God. Because the question is, who, who is prepared to meet God? But of course, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we meet Jesus Christ, the one man who perfectly obeys God as his father, the one man who perfectly enjoys that relationship with God, who, who is before God always. But we also learn from the gospel that Jesus Christ is not just this perfect man, but he is actually God himself coming into his creation to meet his creation, to reveal God himself to his creatures. And so who is prepared to meet God? What Jesus is? The question is, what happened to us? We're not. But listen to these words of Jesus from John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus, he said these famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus not only grants passage to God the Father, he's the way, the only way. But that he actually reveals the Father, the truth about God, to those who would listen. But not only does he grant understanding of God, but through that understanding, through that trust, respond to that knowledge of God, Jesus, he promises life. Not just life for these 70, 80, even 90 years, but life eternal. Life where we can actually enjoy in that relationship with God without any of the brokenness. Actually, 
be in that feast with God that we've been hearing about. And so are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared to meet your creator? Now, dear brothers and sisters, if you have confessed your trust in Jesus as your king, can I tell you this? You are. You are already prepared to meet God, not because of how well you've done in life or how many good deeds you've done, but because of Jesus and what he has done. It's only through trusting in Jesus, his death and resurrection, that is what cleanses our sin, our uncleanness, and gets us to God as Jesus promised in John's gospel. So dear brothers and sisters, if you are still wondering about that question, are you prepared to meet God? You only need to ask yourself, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? If the answer is yes, then dear brothers and sisters, you know you are prepared to meet God. You will not be meeting God in judgment, but you have already met God through his mercy, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there might be those of us who have not yet called on Jesus as the Lord and Savior. It's the same question for you as well. Are you ready to meet God? You might be someone who is still investigating uh, the claims of Jesus. Can I encourage you, make the most of your time here at St. Mark's. Maybe even join the Alpha course that the church is running. That really helps you understand the foundational truth about Jesus. And we hope that one day you will also be able to say with great assurance that, yes, you are prepared to meet your creator and savior. If you are still not quite sure about your answer to that question, are you prepared to meet God? Why not make that decision today to meet God through his son Jesus today so that when the day comes, the day of judgment comes, you will be prepared to meet him, not in his wrath, but in his mercy. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of warning through the prophet Amos. We thank you for helping us to see that the many things that happen in life, they are not accidents, but they are your message to us that this world is broken that we are not in control, but you are. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will take the warning from you today to prepare ourselves to meet you, not through our own effort or good deeds, but through trusting in your son Jesus, who so generously died for us sinners, that we might come before you without fear. Father, please help us to leave Jesus as our King as we go out this week. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.